Have you ever noticed that life has a weird way of making the most amazing people feel like they're not good enough? You know, not smart enough, pretty enough, skinny enough. The Drop the BS podcast is dedicated to inspiring you through those very moments. I'm your host, Dr. Kerline Neely, licensed professional counselor. In each episode, I'll take you in session to learn how to drop your backstory and live your best today's story. And while I hope you love learning from the podcast, it's not meant to be a substitute for a relationship with a mental health professional. Hello and welcome to episode 18 of Drop the BS Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kerline. So happy that you are hanging out with me for another episode. Today's show is going to be looking at when Father's Day and Mother's Day and all those days like that aren't so easy. We're going to take a look at the section of society that those days actually bring up a lot of pain and grief and then tackle how do we move through them? What do you do when those days aren't um, as happy as society portrays them or the media images and all of the holiday cards that we see portray them to be? But before we jump in, I always want you to remember that as you listen to this show, if stuff comes up for you and a little part of me hopes stuff does come up because I am pushing and challenging you to look at parts of your life that you may not always look at. As those things come up, always remember that in our show notes, I have a link to Psychology Today. And Psychology Today is an amazing site that has tons of great counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, you name it on there. And so if things arise, if you start to feel a certain something and you think, you know what, Dr. Neely, Dr. Curleen, I want to take this a little step further, go to our show notes, look at Psychology Today and find someone in your area that you can talk to. This show is never meant to be a substitute for that. It's meant to provoke you to make you think just a little bit better. As I always say, getting couch time is something we should all do. You do get couch time or you should get couch time, not because something is wrong, but because something is right and you want to keep it that way. The other thing is that if you haven't signed up for our Facebook group, I need to know what you're waiting on. What are you waiting on? I want to hang out with you, as I've said in other episodes. So head on over to Facebook. Go to the browser and put Drop the BS Podcast group. Send me an invite and then you'll be able to hang out with me, see some videos, ask questions. It's just another way to take the podcast to another level. The other thing is that I would like an iTunes review from you. The only way or one of the only ways that this show can get out and more people know we exist is by iTunes reviews. So if you haven't, I would really appreciate you heading over to iTunes, liking our show and then leaving a review. It'll help someone else know that the content that we have is worth listening to. So as I mentioned, today's show is about when Father's Day and Mother's Day and those type of days are difficult. And there are so many reasons why those things can be difficult. For some of us, 
um, it's difficult because just those words, you know, Father's Day and Mother's Day, it's one of the only holidays that specifically calls out kind of who you should be focused on. You know, when you think about Easter or you think about Christmas, they're just kind of a generic feel good holiday. But Mother's Day and Father's Day are very specific. And if those individuals aren't here anymore. Maybe you've lost them through a death. Maybe the you don't have a good relationship with them. Maybe you've had to decide to say, you know what? I got to set that boundary between you and me. Maybe they were never around in the first place. It can be very challenging. And even if it's not you personally, if you have a child and maybe that dad or that mom is not around, then you may be going through some pain and grief, not necessarily for yourself, but for your child. So what I hope happens in our show today is that you leave with some tools and some strategies in terms of what do I do when these days are difficult? How do I move through them? How do I make sure that my children move through them in a resilient, healthy way? As you listen, I want you to ask yourself a question throughout the show. And the question is, how am I really doing? How am I really dealing with the situation around my mom or my dad? What, what's my real feeling around that? And the reason I'm provoking you to ask yourself that question is this. A lot of times, if we um, don't stop and think, we kind of think we're over it. We think we're done with it. We think we're through it. And so I'm provoking you to slow down and say, how am I really feeling about my mom and my dad and maybe the loss of them or maybe the fact that I had to set a little distance between me and them because stuff got hard and it got difficult or maybe because they were never around. How am I doing? So as I go through the show, I want that question to be latent in the background for you because if you ask yourself that question, what will happen is that some answers will come up and you'll be able to take the tools I'm going to address and just you know, let, allow it to help you to do better in your everyday life. So if you're ready, let's go in session. So if you're an all-time listener, if you've listened for a long time, I should say, you know that I'm usually prompted by something. And Father's Day is closely approaching. And so that's really what drove me to say, you know what, let me do a show on that. But then also just personally, I um, lost my mother and father a while ago. And so I don't have either one of those individuals in my life. And I've had different experiences in terms of how I grieve them. For my father, for instance, he's someone that I love tremendously. But the pain associated with that loss doesn't really resonate or hit me as much as my mom. And I think it really has to do with how I lost them. I uh, clearly remember that um, right before my mom died, I was at work. And as a therapist, one of the things we do is therapy notes. And at the time, I was working at a residential treatment center. So basically, I was the therapist for about 25 kids who were bad as hell. I love them to death, but I'm not going to lie. They had a lot of issues. So it was a very, very challenging job when I was there. I was constantly being pulled left and right. And so at the 
end of a long day, I would usually have to sit down and do my therapy notes. And it was something that I was always dreading. It was kind of like that task, like I just want to take my butt home. I don't want to have to sit there and do those notes. And so one particular evening, I was doing my notes and something came over me. I cannot tell you where it came from, but I just got flooded with this, go see your mom. It was just like, go see your mom like that right now, pack everything up, go see your mom. And my mom lived an hour away, but something in my spirit said, stop everything and go do it. And that's exactly what I did. I remember taking out a piece of paper, writing on a little piece of paper to the director because I knew in the morning she'd be thinking, where is Curleen's notes? And I put on the note, hey, got to go. Couldn't do my notes. I'll do them tomorrow. Got in the car, put on some music. Drove an hour to Baytown, Texas, where I'm originally from. Saw my mom. You know, she was so happy to see me, you know, from the island. So, you know, food. I came in the door. She had stuff cooked. And she's like, Colleen, I'm happy you're here, girl. Let's talk. And we sat and we chatted and we talked. And we had just an amazing time. The whole time I was with her, though, I didn't quite know why in the world I had this strong, compelling drive an hour away to go see her. Nothing was um, different that day. She looked great. We talked, we hugged. She made me the best meal ever, gave her a hug and then drove an hour back to where I lived. Well, that would be the last time I saw my mother. In the next couple of days, she ended up having an aneurysm and she passed away. And looking back on it now, I, it was like such a profound, I think a very God divine thing that happened to me in terms of go see your mom. And so for me talking about this show, it's personal. It's something that I've had to deal with. And I hope that what I've learned through my own grief and my own healing um, of losing both of my parents will be a benefit and, you know, just shed some light for you depending on where you're at. So the first thing I want to do is let's look at how do we drop the backstory around this process of grief? And I'm naming it that on purpose because a lot of people may be thinking, um, you know, hey, my parent or my dad or whoever, you know, they passed away like 15 years ago. Am I still grieving? That's crazy. It's easier to kind of name it grief when it's a recent death, when that person is gone recently. But if they've been gone for a while or maybe they're not dead, but you are separated from them and it's been going on for 10, 15 years, you may not have ever called it grief. But grief is a fluctuating thing. It doesn't necessarily um, have an expiration date. It shows up. It flows back and forth. The reason it's important to name it is this. What you can name, you then can control. Uh, For a long time in therapy, I remember doing therapy, I would always be afraid to tell people a diagnosis because I'd be afraid, oh, they're going to be pissed at me. I have to tell them they're bipolar or schizophrenic. And what I often found was that actually telling them, naming it made them more relief. They're like, oh, dang, okay, I'm bipolar. I kind of figured it anyway. And so naming that you may be grieving, naming it is important because it then helps you be able to move through it fluidly. For a lot of people, this idea of grief may feel foreign because you may be 
kind of thinking of grief as, you know, I'm laying in the bed. I can't think. I can't move. I'm immobilized. I'm not doing anything. But if you are not um, close to the grief, meaning that it's not a recent death or a recent loss, this grief shows up in a different way. And it may show up in you being more irritable. It may show, show up in you being just kind of pissed off and you don't know why. You may be angry, kind of frustrated. It may show up in what we call, you know, repressing your feelings, doing a little bit of retail therapy or drinking a little too much. Our grief tends to show up in a way that's not what we see on TV. It's not necessarily somebody walking around with their head down. And it may show up even if you're 5, 10, 15, 20 years old outside of having that loss. Because like I said before, there's no expiration date necessarily on grief. The way you move through it changes, but the fact that it can come back sticks around. I think a good thing for us to do now, just to be able to really understand it a little better, is to kind of break down the stages of grief. Because once again, once you understand it, you may be able to realize, you know, hey, this is kind of where I'm at in that process. And so um, we're going to go through those stages. Uh, Elizabeth Kubler-Ross, she's a Swiss psychiatrist. And in 1969, she came up with these identifiable stages of grief. And so those are the ones that we're going to use. Those are the ones that most uh, people in the mental health still today look towards. And the first one is shock and denial. Just being in shock and denial and disbelief that this thing has happened. I remember, you know, first losing my dad and maybe it was two or three months um, after he was gone. I'm riding down the road and I picked up the phone to call him. And I mean, I'm dialing his number and it's ringing and I am waiting for him to pick up. And then it was one of those, oh, what am I doing moments where I look at the phone and I'm by myself, but I'm like, you can't talk to him. And so even months after he had been gone, there was still a level of denial. There was still a level of shock and disbelief that uh, he wasn't here anymore. The second stage is depression. And this usually is that stage of hopelessness and helplessness. This That is that stage. That's that stage that you kind of see where you don't want to get out of bed, where you don't want to eat, where you don't want to be bothered with, bothered with anyone, where you're just like, I don't want to do anything at all. Um, It is one of the most painful parts of grieving because it's the one that is the most visible to yourself and to everyone else. Another stage is what we call bargaining. And bargaining, that's the stage where you're trying to kind of replay things in your head of, man, I wish I would have done that or I wish I would have done this. In the case of my mom, my bargaining comes in with, man, I remember her complaining about headaches. Why didn't I pick up on that? Why didn't I encourage her to go to the doctor? And so you kind of try to exchange things in your head. Bargaining um, can happen in so many different ways, even if you are grieving someone that is still alive, because as I said in the opening, grief doesn't just happen in an isolated way. It's not just when someone dies. You can grieve the loss of what you never had. You can grieve the loss of what you should have. And so that bargaining could be that, you know what, maybe if I wouldn't have um, said those words to my dad, maybe we would still be talking right now. And so in the bargaining stage, you go through this process of just trying to figure out how you can rearrange things, how you can do them differently. And then another stage is anger. 
And that's when you're just ticked off. That stage usually shows up and you're just going off on folks and you're going off on maybe the lady at the grocery store. You're going off on your kids. You're just filled with anger, but you can't put your finger on it. I've seen people go through this stage years and years after a separation from a parent. And, you know, maybe they're triggered by they're watching, you know, their tel- favorite television show show and all of the uh, commercials about Father's Day and do this for your dad and do this for your, your parent comes on. And they're not making the connection that that is a trigger to them. And all of a sudden they're just pissed. They're just angry. And then the last stage is acceptance. And acceptance stage sounds just like what it should sound like, which is you move to the point that you say, hey, yes, this has happened to me. Yes, I'm not going to have that relationship with my parent. Yes, my mom is gone or my dad is gone, but life goes on and I have to find new meaning in it. The thing that a lot of people don't tell you about these stages is that they don't necessarily go in order, that they go back and forth and around. And sometimes you'll hit two of them. Sometimes you'll hit all of them. Sometimes you'll come to acceptance and think, oh, finally, I'm feeling better. And then three to four years later, oh, my gosh, I'm in denial again. Be patient with yourself. The way you grieve today is not going to be the way you grieve in a year, in two years, in three years. It changes. But just know that it is a process and that it will come back up. So let's look at some in-session takeaways now. The first in-session takeaway is that what you acknowledge, you have a better chance to control. And I said that before and I cannot say it again. If you are grieving, name it, be able to say it, express that to your loved ones, be able to say that what I am experiencing is grief because it will help them understand you a little bit. Instead of walking around ticked off, angry, projecting out your feelings, not wanting to talk to folks, be able to name it and you name it by slowing yourself down. Thinking about the question I asked you at the beginning, which is where are you at? Where are you emotionally at with how you feel about your parent or your your mom or your dad or whoever you are um, estranged from or whoever you've lost? The second thing is that you have to become aware of the behaviors. Am I more irritable? Am I more frustrated? Do I have more anxiety? The behavior will be your secret guide to, hmm, you know what? I notice I am just ticked off so much. I'm so anxious. Hey, maybe it's because I'm grieving. And so that acknowledgement, once again, allows you to be able to take care of yourself better. The next takeaway is stop shaming yourself for it. If you have shamed yourself, and what I mean is that a lot of people will feel like I should be done with this by now. I haven't talked to my mom in years. Why does this still bother me? Or man, you know, my parent, you know, they died 10 years ago. Grief has no expiration date. Stop beating yourself up for it. Acknowledge that it is a process that it may take a very long time to move through it. What you're looking for is that the way you are grieving changes, that it's not as intense, that it's not as severe as it was. And that's your key to the fact that, okay, you know what? I'm moving through it. I'm I'm getting a little bit better. The next takeaway is this. If you are grieving someone who is still around, they're still alive, it is so hard because of the fact that 
you know, for some people, it's like, well, gosh, if they were dead, if they were gone, you know, I can almost understand me grieving them. But me having so much pain and grieving someone that's still alive, why am I doing that? Actually, when the person is still living and you have had to make a decision not to be around them, that's even more difficult. Sometimes the people that hurt us the most are our parents. And so if you've had to make a decision to set a boundary around that person to say, I'm not going to be able to spend Christmases with you anymore, or maybe I can't even talk to you anymore. Give yourself permission to set that boundary. Stop being worried about what society thinks, who's going to say what. You have to do what feels right and what feels good for you. And in some situations, um, there are some parents that have hurt and harmed you, may have hurt or harmed you in a way that you just can't be in their presence anymore. You can't be around them. So give yourself permission to be okay with setting a boundary around that. Now, on the flip side of that, I also want you to think about whether you're overreacting, right? And so in some cases, it may not be that you needed to divorce that parent or never speak to them again if they're still living. It may be a little bit drastic. So I want you to really stop and think about, is what I'm doing worth the crime to a certain extent? Does the punishment justify the crime? And there may be cases where what you need to do is pick up the phone and call your mom, pick up the phone and call your dad, that what you need to do is forgive. Family relationships are difficult, they're hard, but if that person hasn't harmed you in a way that is not repairable, then forgiveness and moving forward and trying to have a different type of relationship with them may be exactly what you need to do. The next takeaway is that if you have a child who maybe that father is not there, maybe because of a death or a loss, or maybe the father's not there or the mom's not there because they just never were there, Don't sweep it under the rug. Talk about it. Acknowledge it. Acknowledge that it's difficult when these days come up and we don't have that mother to go buy something for, that father to go buy something for. Sometimes we tend to think just because our kid's not mentioning it, it's all good. Well, guess what? Kids most of the time don't mention a lot of stuff. It doesn't mean they're not thinking about it. As the adult, you're supposed to drive that conversation. So make sure you are actually taking the time to mention it. The last takeaway is this. Establish new traditions. A lot of times we grieve the past because we haven't moved on to say, hey, let's establish a new tradition. And so, for instance, in my family, my mom, being from the islands, being from Trinidad and Tobago, She was the best cook. I mean, she cooked so much. And so holidays were all about being at her home, especially a holiday like Thanksgiving, her cooking and baking breads. And we could have just stopped. We could have just not got together anymore after her death. But what my family and I started to do is to form a new tradition. And so now Thanksgiving is held at my home. And for many, many years now, it has been the new memories that we've created, not necessarily grieving over the old memories. If as I've gone through these things, you start to feel like, man, I may be in grief. Like that's maybe what I've been experiencing. I want you to go get some couch time. Do not hesitate to go get some couch time. 
sitting and talking to someone and expressing what you feel, how these behaviors are showing up could be life-changing for you. It doesn't mean that something is wrong. You go because something is right and you want to keep them that way. As always, I really hope that the tools, that the things we talked about were beneficial. Going through these difficult holidays can be a challenge, but you can do it differently. So replay this episode. Listen to the things that I went through. Stop and, and think about whether you're in the grief process. Do it differently and things will change. And if you haven't headed, headed over to Facebook yet, please do that. I'm going to have a video associated with this particular episode where I just share a few more nuggets in there. So I look forward to seeing you in Facebook. Don't forget to do your iTunes review and I'll see you back for the next episode. Thank you for listening to the Drop the BS podcast. You can find show notes at dropthebspodcast.com. And I would love to stay connected to you. So follow me on Facebook or Twitter using the handle at Dr. Kirlene. That's D-R-K-I-R-L-E-E-N. Until next time, remember to drop the BS. This is Game Day Media.